the Ready, Set, Go Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Brandon Elliott, your host to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. Super, super excited today for our guest, Mr. Chris Rude. What's up, man? How you doing? Good, man. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course, man. I'm, I'm feeling a little sick today, but I'm good. I'm here for it. I'm, I'm super, super excited for you to be joining. Thank you, man. Hope you feel better. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so just if you wouldn't mind, just dive in a little bit, um, you know, exactly who you are and, and what you do, where you come from. Okay. Um, well, my name is Chris Root. I'm from Lafayette, Louisiana. I'm 36 years old. Um, been an entrepreneur my whole life. Uh, I guess say, yeah, pretty much my whole life. I was selling basketball and baseball cards in fourth and fifth grade to, to make a hustle, always selling people and you know why they should buy this particular rookie card or that particular all-star card. And, uh, always had a knack for, um, you know, communicating and selling people on products and, you know, always wanted to start my own business since I was probably, you know, 15, 16 years old. I'd always, I've always had that, that, that drive to want to, you know, start my own business. I never had the idea well, I'm going to work for somebody. Yeah. And, um, you know, went, uh, didn't very, didn't do really well at school was, you know, labeled ADD, ADHD, all those different types of stupid, uh, you know, labels. Cause I was super active, you know, very, um, I was kind of a, uh, I could say an obnoxious child because I had so much energy. It was, it was uncontrollable, right? I was just all over the place. And so it, it wouldn't, it didn't fit right in a school environment. Anyway, um, barely passed high school, went to college, um, ended up graduating college. But while I was in college, my sophomore, sophomore year, I wanted to start my own business. So I uh, looked at, you know, different ideas. I was like, man, what, what the hell kind of business can I start? And I uh, ended up starting an on-site oil change car wash business and uh, rock chip repair business out of the back of my truck while I was a sophomore in college. So st- started doing that. And I, what I did is I made a bunch of cards and bought a few filters and wrenches. I didn't even know how to change oil. I think, uh, <laughs> My dad showed me how to do his. Yeah. <laughs> I just figured it out, right? Yeah. Um, bought some wrenches, bought $100 worth of wrenches and tools and started making some cards and handed it out to people and then selling them on the value of me coming to them, right? The service of me coming to them, washing their car, changing their oil while they're at work or at their house so they don't have to bring it to a shop. You know, and started doing really well with it, right? And started making some good money. With two years passed, I'm, I'm graduating college and, um, and man, I'm making like 100 grand a year as a 23 year old, right? 24 year old. Okay. And, and I'm like, dude, I'm not going to get a job. I'm going to keep doing this. Right. So kept doing that. Did really, you know, I was doing really well with it. Um, decided to flip my house about, I'd say about a year and a half getting out of college. Um, the house I was living in the, the real estate values had skyrocketed. And, and because that home, yeah, no, no. I built it from right after college. I um, actually I built it while I was in college. My senior year, I built the house. Okay. And um, this is post Katrina. You're probably too young to remember. You remember Katrina and when that big hurricane? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So what happened was Katrina came and hit New Orleans, right? Wiped it out. So all these people that were living in New Orleans moved west. Yep. Laf- Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Houston. Yeah. Well, so you know what happened was uh, you know demand for housing came up and it was a low supply. So what happens is price rises big time because there's not enough product. Well, I was, I was, you know, I was aware enough that I was watching all this and I was watching the real estate market and like people were selling a house for like almost 50% more than what they paid for it. Like two years before that, or even sometimes a hundred percent more. Yeah. I was like, I told told my wife, I said, we got to capitalize on this. Oh yeah. So that was like my first experience with real estate. I put it for sale. A month later, we sold it and made 125000 when I was 24 years old. <laughs> yeah. That was my first flip house, right? And I didn't do it by, you know, I wasn't planning on building that house to flip. It just so happened, you know, I timed the market right. Yeah, yeah. That's what's up. And um, took that money and bought a, a, a quick lube mechanic shop in the busiest part of my town in Lafayette. 
um, paid, you know, I think we paid 860,000 for that. So, so that way I could, you know, get out of having to go to people's houses and, and travel so much. Cause that's not scalable. Like, a, you know, having a shop and have them come to you. Yeah. So, so bought that shop. Was that a franchise? No, this is just, I bought an independent shop. I bought it from a guy who was distressed. He was, he had drug problems and he was, wasn't doing good with the business. He was behind on taxes and I, I got it for a good deal. Okay. Um, took that hundred and, you know, 125,000, put it down on that, that building. Started doing really well with that. Got bought a fork up another foreclosure as my next house stayed in there for like a year and a half. And then did the same, or maybe it was a year, did the same thing, flipped that house, made 60 grand, bought another shop, used that money to buy another. Go ahead. No, really quick. Um, for the foreclosure, did you go to the auction or did you get that right from the bank? The foreclosure I got from a, um, it was a REO. I'm trying to remember that was, man, that was like 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Yeah. It was on MLS. Okay. It, it was, it was listed. Yeah, the bank uh, took it back. Yeah, the bank, correct. The bank had the bank had already taken it back. Correct. Yeah. Yep. So um, did that and um, flipped that one. Made six, 65 grand. Used that to buy another shop. Yeah. And so I started scaling right. Yep. Um, and maybe back up. I I sold a piece of property that I flipped before that. In between the transition of that first house and the second house, I flipped a piece of raw land on the river that I, that I bought and sold and made like 30 grand in two months or four or five months. So I was like, I was like, man, th- this is easy money, like flipping real estate. Right. Yeah. So used all that money. I bought a third shop and then I ended up buying a fourth shop and I was scaling. Right. I was, then I started making really good money. And I was like, man, I, I had to lay off the real estate. Cause I was like making, I was 25 years old, making $350,000 a year. Oh yeah. You know? I was like, man, this is so, so my, I had so many, I had like 35 employees. So I couldn't focus on real estate anymore. So I did that for about four or five years, made a lot of money, did really well with that. And then I was probably about 28, 29, four or five years passed by, I made a lot of money. And I said, you know what? I'm going to get back into real estate. I started buying up single family homes okay. on, M- on MLS, right? Yeah. Bought about four or five million dollars worth of single family homes on MLS by making a tons of offers, low ball offers and, until something stuck. Right. I just made tons of offers. Right. That's the secret to making, you know, getting deals on MLS is just make a lot of offers. Yeah. I'd make the average was like 22 offers before I got a yes. Right. You got to go for no. Right. So now um, the financing where you, you were doing traditional bank financing or tra- traditional bank financing. Yeah. I had excellent credit. I was, uh, you know, I was buying them, you know, at, you know, 70, 75, 80 cents on the dollar. So the bank would give me 80, 20, meaning they would give me 80% of appraised value. So as yeah. long as it would appraise for 80% of appraised value, I didn't have to put any money down. Really? So I was, buying, so I was putting no money down. Okay. So, and, and got some pretty good deals. Um, you know, bought, like I said, bought about four or $5 million worth of those. And then. Sorry to cut you off really quick. Um, yeah. Really quick. So when has the lending, it was that like a traditional, um, like small in, in town bank or yeah. has those policies kind of changed now? Because yeah. Lenders that I was under the um, assumption that it would be very similar to that. And then it, my lender personally, they, they still want a down payment, even if there's plenty of equity. That's, I'm glad you bring that up. Cause I have a lot of students that ask that same thing. Okay. So with, with bigger banks, yeah, they're, they're always going to want you to put money down. The, the key is to find small community banks in your area and build relationships with them and show them the value of the deals that you bring and show them, hey, look, I can bring this deal that I can buy for 60, 70 cents on the dollar. Yeah. You know, in the beginning, they may make you put, because in the beginning, I had to put money down too. I had to put 20% down on, on like three or four houses. Then they saw like, man, where are you getting all these deals? Like you're buying them for dirt cheap. Yeah. And, and then they, they, finally, they finally let me stop putting money down. Okay. Right. Nice. But I had to, but I had to build a relationship, you yeah. know, they're not just going to do that from the start. So that's a little key, you know, key piece of yeah. key nugget right there for you guys that are trying to get into it. Don't think you can buy real estate with no money down. If you're trying to get into rental game, yeah, yeah. you got to build the relationship. So, so it's all about did, relationships and that, that small bank, um, yes. particular area is definitely, that's a, that's a great point. Cool. Yeah, stay stay away from the bigger banks. However, you know there were only twenty year loans, though. You know the, the the benefit of using the bigger banks, the you know the you know the loan companies like Freddie Mae and Fannie Mac and all them people yeah. like that, they they'll do those thirty year loans. The yeah. small community banks won't do thirty year am- amortization. They're only going to do twenty. 
Yeah, they, they so, normally have like their own particular uh, correct. house rules kind of thing. Yes. And the key is to find an investor-friendly, real estate-friendly bank because not every small community bank likes real estate. Yeah, that's a you great you, Yeah. You, you, can't just, you can't just go to this community bank and say, hey, Chris Root told me that you like yeah. real estate. That's not necessarily true. You got you to gotta go through them, right? And you got to find which one likes you know, single-family homes or, or real estate-related investments. So... Anyway, bought about four or five million dollars worth of real estate. Um, did good with that. Got them all rented out for like twelve, you know, anywhere from twelve hundred, fifteen hundred, eighteen hundred, two thousand dollars a month. Then two thousand fourteen came, and we had a, a oil field crash, oil and gas crisis in two thousand fourteen. Which you're, where, where are you from again? You're from oh, California, New right? New Jersey. Okay, wait. You're not, you don't really, you're not really affected by the oil and gas, right? Because all of the South, Louisiana, Texas, Mississippi, that's all oil and gas related. That's where all the jo- jobs come from. And as you guys know that, listen, the rental market is only as good as the job market. Remember that. That's a key, key element that I had to learn the hard way. The rental market is only as good as the job market. Do not buy rentals in an unstable job market. Yep. Because if you don't have people that have jobs, they can't pay you rent. Exactly. So bought four or five million dollars worth of real estate. Did really good up until 2014, all field crash. We lost thousands of jobs in the area. Started having vacancies left and right. You know, people started moving out. I was like, oh shit, man. I started sucking wind and, and like getting into negative cash flow. Oh, and I was like, shit. I was like, man, I'm losing money. And w- but before that, when the all field was booming, everybody had money and jobs. They'd pay me on time. I was making great money. And that, that went on, you know, two or three years, I made good money. But so I le- what I learned from that was, you got to find the sweet spot. You got to find, cause I was, I was chasing a little bit higher in rentals instead of that sweet spot. I call it the sweet spot. Yeah. You want to find the sweet spot in rentals, the balance, right? Because not everybody can afford $1,800 a month in rent. However, $1,800 a month in rent may not be this, you know, that that's high end for me, but high end where you're at may be three grand. I don't know. Yeah. Every market, it's all relative. Yeah. Right. So, so this, exactly. The sweet spot in my area is like 600 to 1200. Okay. No matter what the economy does, no matter what the job market does, that's going to stay relatively stable because people always need a place to live. And those people that are in that $1,200 to $2,000 rent range, yeah. they're just going to jump down into that sweet spot, $600 yeah. to $1,200 range. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, of course, for sure. So, so what I did was, um, you know, re-strategized and like, okay, I ain't buying no more hiring rentals. And at right around the same time, I was YouTubing like rental properties, real estate investors, and I came across wholesaling. Yeah. And I was like, wholesaling? How to, what the hell is wholesaling real estate? Yeah. You know, how, do you, how do you wholesale real estate? So, so to watch a. Before we get into uh, wholesaling, um, just to backtrack a little bit, how did you even come up with the idea of like jumping into real estate? You know, you said in college you started building your first home. Like, how did that, how did you just start? You wanted the American dream to, you know, have that you know, your amazing home, your ideal home? Well, look, I, I was a hustler. Yeah, but did you have a mentor or like some, like your, any family members that, uh, that kind of push you towards real estate? Well, all of my family is entrepreneurs. My dad's an entrepreneur. My stepdad's an entrepreneur. My mom, yeah. um, they're, they all own their, bi- their own businesses. So I grew up around entrepreneurs. So like in my mind, like, you know, that's just what you do. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's, that's just, yeah. I love it. It was, yeah. So I was like, I, people we don't go to work we go we go create work our business yeah yeah we go create work um so i just knew that you know and, and i'm not knocking people that um you know because there's a lot that they want to go to work it's just you know in entre- being an entrepreneur is not for the faint of heart yeah. you know people people glorify it like it's some type of like holy it. grail it, yeah. it ain't dude it ain't that great yeah. <laughs> it ain't always that great sometimes if you can get behind an entrepreneur who's willing to to be bold and take a lot of risk and ride his wave, it's almost a safer bet. Of course. Yeah. Um, and get behind somebody that's willing to do that. So I'm not knocking people that are not entrepreneurs. So don't, don't take me the wrong way. However, it was just in me, right? Because my brother, all my brothers and sisters all went work for the family. I'm the only one that did it. Okay. And I, you know, I have, you know, I have four five, yeah, five other brothers and sisters. They all went work for family. I'm the one that was, I was an oddball. I was just like, just a little out there. Like I was just, Little, you got to be a little crazy and off to be an entrepreneur, right? That's right. But, That's right. So when it comes to down to the, the real estate aspect, did, did you have anybody like kind of show you the ropes or anything or recommend, or you were just like, Hey, 
maybe I could do this and, and just tried it out? Man, I, I was so young. I, I, the first real estate book I read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but that wasn't, that's what got me into buying single family homes. I just recognized opportunity at such a young age when I was 24, when I saw the market and, you know, go up and I, and I saw, like I was able, I was aware enough for some reason. I, I didn't read any books about real estate. I just, I don't know. I just saw, I saw opportunity. Yeah, I love it. So that, that's an important key right there. You just need to keep your eyes open, open-minded to recognize opportunity when it's around. Yes. Everywhere. So yes. Good. What? Yeah. And recognize when things are good, they're not always going to be good. Exactly. Yes. That's and you got to capitalize on that. Just yeah. like right now, we're in a bull market and real estate is inflated across the country. It is. I got my eye on that big time because it ain't always going to stay like this. We're going to have another huge correction. Yep. And I've learned so much the past 10 years that you don't, the, the big players, the smart players, they don't, they don't buy right now. They buy when things crash yep. because then you can capture lots of equity and value on properties. Look at Warren Buffett. Some of the, these guys are, you know, they, they buy a lot of stuff when things are down, when the market crashes, even in the great depression back in the twenties more realist, more, you know, more millionaires are made back in the great depression. Oh, yeah. And any other time in history, because all the all the smart money comes in when things going down and buy up shit for twenty cents on the dollar, half of what it's worth. Of course. So now, when you started getting all these properties together, how many how many properties were in your portfolio? And were you did you max out the amount of loans, or with that traditional um, or not traditional your your local bank that you were using? Was there like a, a limit? To how many? Yes, dollars? that's a great question, man. This is an awesome, awesome question. So you're going to get maxed out at your bank. Cause I was buying two or three properties a month. They're going to say, Oh dude, you, we need to hold up. You know, it's time to, yeah, you're going fast. I didn't stop. You just say, Hey, no problem. Mr. Banker. You go to another community bank. You show them your portfolio. Hey, these are all cash flowing. I'm making money. What can you do for me? And you just go next, next, next. And you just ride every bank and you leverage the crap out of all those different banks. Don't okay. stop because one don't deal with one bank, you know, yeah. go to four or five and, and get you, you know, get you 10 out of each bank, you know, sure. That's good. Okay, cool. Um, cool. So let's jump into wholesaling now. Um, okay. when you actually started, you know, getting that whole process, understanding it, uh, you know, what did that look like your first deal maybe? So like I said, I was watching YouTube about real estate investing and, yeah. um, I, ca- I came across real estate wholesaling. I was like, what the hell, how can you wholesale real estate? Started watching a bunch of videos. I was like, man, this is pretty cool. You know, you can just flip it, you know, get a property in a contract and flip the contract to an investor. Yep. I said, I think I, said, I, think I, could, I could be really good at that because I, I noticed, you know, it's, it's a matter of communication skills back and forth, right? And that's what I was really good at that. I was good at communicating with people. And I said, let me try this out. So I started trying to do it and I kind of figured it out and I actually wholesaled a few of my own properties that were in my portfolio and made like five, 10, 15 grand. Okay. Um, you know, but I couldn't put it all together. Right. I was inconsistent. I made five grand one month, then, then 10 grand the next month, then nothing the next month. And then 15 grand the next month. I didn't know what I was doing. Okay. So I said, you know what, I'm going to hire a mentor. So I hired a few mentors, like crushed it right out of the park. Like right, right, right. When I got into it, I, I think 30 days after my first mentor, I made $47,000 wholesale and real estate. Now, what, what would you say now, looking back, what did you uh, kind of give credit towards that was it like an accountability partner or was it that mentor that has already been there and done it to really help you guide you through any, um, trial and error? And I would, I would say it was a burning desire to be successful. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta want it really bad. Oh yeah. And once you actually have some money tied up behind it, you know, by having that mentor, then it it really kind of with specialized knowledge, specialized knowledge. I mean, cause you don't know what you don't know. And you know, if you, if you're focusing on different pieces of information that don't align yeah, because it's not, it's not specialized knowledge, it's just information. There's a difference between information and knowledge. Mm. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I, w- I was getting information on YouTube, not knowledge. Yeah. When you hire a mentor, you're getting organized, specialized knowledge that is hyper-focused to take you to revenue. Okay. So then I hired the mentors. So I got everything aligned. I got the information I needed and I just ran with it. And I, um, like I said, I was, I made $47,000 my first 30 days after my mentor did really good. I was like, let me hire a couple more mentors. 
hired a couple more mentors, did the same thing, did so well in their program. They asked me to go work for them in their sales department. So I worked for them in their sales department, enrolling other students, crushed the game in that too. And then I was like, man, I could do this better than my own mentors. I felt like I was better than my own mentors that showed me how to do this. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to do on start my own program. Okay. So started my own program and, uh, you know, here we, we sit, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Congrats. I mean, that's, yeah. super, that's super awesome. I think something that you just touched base on just a second ago, um, it, it really comes down to, especially in real estate, like if people, listeners out there that are just getting started or, you know, wherever you're at in real estate right now, if you haven't acknowledged or, or come to understand that this is a relationship business, you know, that this is something that you really need to, you need to be out there and talking to people and building rapport, building relationships, getting getting that other person to know, like, and trust you to actually be able to move forward and actually do business. So I'm glad, I'm glad you, you know, talked about that. Yeah. And, and look, wholesaling is not for everybody because it, it requires a certain skill set. It's like I tell all of my students, right? But skills get the deals. That's right. <laughs> skills get the deals. You know, and I'm not kidding when I say that, because if you're a shy, timid person, you don't need to get into wholesaling because it, like you said, it's a relationship business. It's a communication business. You're constantly talking back and forth to people, selling the value of the deal you have, selling the homeowner, why they should use you, selling the, the cash investor and why this is a good deal for them to buy it. The people, the guys and girls that I know that crush wholesaling have excellent communication skills. Excellent. Now, if you're not that kind of guy and you don't, you know, you feel like, well, you know, Chris, I'm just not, I'm, I'm quiet. I'm shy. I'm timid, but I want to get into real estate. Fine. Go flip houses, buy single family homes, but wholesaling is a niche business. And yep. you know, it, it, it's make sure you are willing to really put yourself out there, communicate with people and really build rapport and build the relationships. Like you said, hundred yeah. percent. Now, at the same time, if you are a shy and timid person, it's there's there's nothing there's nothing that says that you can't actually get out of your comfort zone and actually put right. yourself in the front uh, to actually to to get out of that shy and timid type of space that you're you're comfortable in. Hundred um, percent. that, but it, it is going to be a challenge. It is going to be constantly pushing you out of your comfort zone. So it's not going to be that quick, easy, you know, late night uh, commercial that you see of of uh, just, you know, make quick money, uh, with no, no headaches, no problems. So yeah. Anybody tell you that, that it's easy, they're, they're full of shit. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> it, it's work. It's work, but it's a highly paid work. That's right. You make a lot of money doing it, you know, cause you're not trading your time for money anymore. You're trading what value you're trading equity. You're capturing equity in one property from motivated seller and you're flipping it for a fee. You're selling that value and equity to a an in buyer, a cash buyer. So you're not trading time, you're trading value. It's way more scalable, way more profitable. And at the end of the day, you're really helping out so many people. Oh, absolutely. And that, that's where like, like people that are, um, that personality type that is very, you know, in my, in my old mastermind, we, we had like uh, color types so we could identify, you know, uh, people's personality. So, um, but that more like loving and caring and wanting to give back all the time, you're really doing exactly that by helping out so many people um, that are in either a financial crisis, uh, need to move to get to help out some family somewhere else, divorce, death, you know, so many different, uh, I'm, I'm sure you've seen. Oh, absolutely. They cry at the closing table. Yeah. They're so thankful. And the sad thing about it is, is some wholesalers have a bad rap because like some realtors or people that don't understand wholesaling, they think you're just taking advantage of people. It's not the case. Like yeah. these people don't want to use a realtor. Like they may be, they may be shy, timid. They may have anxiety. They don't want people in and out of their house. They don't want to list it with a realtor and they need to sell now. They can't wait three to six months for a realtor to list their house. Yeah. They need a quick sale and they don't care about giving up equity. They just want out of their house. Yeah. And, and some people don't understand that. Like, well, Chris, why would somebody sell you the house for 60 cents on the dollar when they can list it with a realtor and get 90, 95? Man, it's all about time and convenience. I'm saving them time in order for them to trade out equity for me. It's equity yeah. for time. Of course. Does that make sense? Yeah. And at the same time, it's like, you're almost like a psychiatrist because you're listening to their problems. You're helping them. You know, you're comforting them. You're, you're providing a solution and making it super easy on them instead of the traditional route when it, when it comes into all the paperwork and dealing with uh, banks, lenders, or, or realtors, 
it can get a little hairy and complicated, a little overwhelming for people. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So when it comes down to actually getting some of these leads, um, let's talk about that for a second. How, how did, I, I know, you know, there's, there's a million different ways, uh, to go about getting your leads. How do you actually get yours? So, man, you know, I'm, I'm a little different than most gurus that talk about, you know, the way to get deals. I, I don't, and this is why I started my own program, by the way, because I, I'm not a big fan of direct mail. Everybody talks direct mail, direct okay. mail, direct mail. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll tell you why direct mail. Sorry. Sorry, somebody tried calling. Okay, so I'll tell you why direct mail is not a good way. I'm not saying it doesn't work because I've gotten deals from direct mail. It's, but it's not where a newbie should start. It's where you should finish. And I'll tell you what. Direct mail has such a low response rate and it's so expensive that if you add up dollar for dollar what you're spending in marketing, the return on investment is terrible and it's very slow. That's why I would say 90% of, or 80% of most wholesalers that get in this business quit or fail because they start with direct mail and they run out of marketing money. Okay. You know, because you can spend five, 10 grand on a direct mail campaign and, and not get anything. Yeah. And, an average person that's getting into wholesaling, you know, they may only have five, 10 grand to get started. Yeah. You're right. So I don't recommend you getting in direct mail. Direct mail is where you finish last. I like inbound marketing. I don't want to chase motivation. I want motivation to chase me. I want, I want people to see my marketing. And if they're chasing me, guess what? They're super motivated. If you're putting out, you know, 10,000 letters to, you know, an area, Okay. You're, you're chasing motivation. And what's the, what's the chances of you getting a motivated seller? Let's look at this. The sun, moon, and stars have to line up. First of all, they have to receive the letter. They have to open it. They have to read it. They have to be motivated. And they have to have equity. That's five different things. You're right. So you see what I'm saying? And, and the probability of that is very low. That's why the response rate is so low. However, if I do a type of inbound marketing, let's say a bandit sign, you know, or... Um, seo or ppc guess what they're looking for me they're looking for me they, right. so they've qualified themselves so they're motivated because they're looking for somebody to solve the problem versus me trying to go find a motivated seller okay. so i do zero direct mail and i make you know any our, our company does anywhere from 60 to 100 grand a month in wholesale deals sometimes we do over 100 grand with zero direct mail and some people, I tell people that some people don't believe me, but we kill it with bandit signs, Facebook ads, SEO, PPC, newspaper articles, um, radio ads, and branding, right? Because I'm not chasing motivation and, the, and I don't have to have a huge call center because I don't have hundreds of calls coming in from, from people pissed off because I sent them a letter. If, you, if you're going to do a huge mail campaign, you're going to have lots of calls come in. It's a lot of work. Yeah. You filter through all the calls. I remember when I did my first uh, direct mail campaign, I was like, man, I was on the phone all day, like answering calls, you know, either telling me to F myself or take me off their, their call. Don't ever mail me another letter or I'm not motivated or yeah, I'm, my house, you know, what you going to offer me? Like those people just weren't motivated. I was like, man, there's gotta be a better way. So that's the difference between chase and motivation and having motivation chase you. I hyper-focus on inbound marketing, meaning I set up, marketing out there and i let them come to me and call me versus me trying to find them does that make sense yeah no of course yeah i like that so so it's basically you're focusing on uh on like facebook ads and um facebook ads um seo and bandit Bandit signs, SEO, PPC, Facebook ads. Um, I do a lot of branding. I'm, I'm always handing out cards to what where is, you know. What is the P, the PPC? Is that pay pay per click? Google oh. AdWords. Okay, cool. You know that's people type in and go on the internet because they're looking. If they're typing in sell my house fast, guess what? They got a problem. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're, they're gonna they're calling me because they have a problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, so really directing towards all motivated people because they're going to reach out to you. That's huge. I like. Yeah, that. they're they're chasing me. Yeah, that's a whole different mind shift right now for me. That's, that's right. Me. I love. That's it. right. Okay. Don't chase motivation. Have motivation chase you. Okay. Now, when you're getting all these leads coming in, because I'm sure, you know, once you put it out there and you're having a bunch of different avenues, band signs, you know, pay per click, uh, SEO, um, you know. Do you, do you have a team 
that is yeah. lined up around helping you, you know, leverage your time? Because I'm sure even with that, you're, you're, you have to do a lot of due diligence. Yeah. I mean, look, here's the thing, you know, a lot of people ask this, Chris, you have a team. Yes. But I lead from the front, you know, I have three employees, but I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not an entrepreneur that sits behind his desk and smokes a cigar every day and watches the numbers. I'm not built that way. Okay. And I'm not knocking at people that are built that way. Cause there's a lot of people I know that I admire that can do that. I just can't do that. I'm so ADD. I have to be in the trenches. I have to be talking with people. Okay. I have to hand, I'm, I lead from the front. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just built that way. So I'm always working. If I'm not working and creating, I'm not happy. So basically I do a lot of my own acquisitions. I'm working three different markets. I'm working the Lake Charles market. I'm working the Lafayette market. I'm working the Baton Rouge market here in Louisiana. Okay. And I'm going to be getting it. So basically I live in Lafayette. So I work that whole area. Like I do acquisitions for that area. Then my, um, then I have a partner in Lake Charles. He works that area. Then I have a acquisition manager in Baton Rouge. He works that area. And then I have a guy that puts out bandit signs. And then I have my office girl who does all of my online marketing controls, all that does all my Facebook ads, PPC, SEO, okay. the newspaper articles. So my, my, um, my strategy is more of a, you know, I teach more of a hands-on how to run, the, how, to, how to actually do the business versus how to set up a bunch of systems and have it work for you remotely. I, I don't, that, it's not my style. I don't teach that because I want to be in the business. I, I don't want to be on the sidelines. I want to be in the game. Okay. Yeah. No, I love that. that. That sounds great. So the, this, um, the towns that you were just naming, are those cities or? Um, those are cities. Okay. So uh, what is the radius and what area are, is that investing? What area so, is that uh, so I'm in Louisiana. Okay. And, and I live in Lafayette, Louisiana, South Central Louisiana. Um, it's is that like a two hour kind of radius or? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, an hour, it's an hour. Lake Charles is an hour west of me and Baton Rouge is an hour east of me. So okay. I'm working what is that? A two and two hour radius yeah. all the way around. Okay. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's how we work. And, and I always tell my students, you want to master your backyard first. All these people are trying to do virtual wholesaling when they first get started, master your backyard first, understand your market, know yeah. what areas are good, know what areas are bad and conquer your market first. Then you go and conquer outward. So let me ask you just kind of, you know, thinking about myself right now with my particular area, my market is sunny San Diego, California. And I'm personally, I'm looking to do a couple of fix and flips out here, but I'm trying to link up with some, some wholesalers and the ones that I do find out here that there's truly not that many that I'm running across, but the ones that are out here, um, they're just, they're, they're selling it because the market that we're in at, you know, the full retail, yeah, the full retail. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's what I'm hearing everywhere. Yeah. You, that's, that's why you should always have your own wholesaling business. Of course you put your, you put yourself in first position. You know, I do fix and flip and I do buy and hold and all those other strategies, but I wouldn't be such a good fix and flip guy and a good buy and hold guy. If I didn't have my own wholesaling business, because what happens is it puts me in first position and I capture all that equity. If I'm buying from another wholesaler, I'm having to pay him a fee. I'm having to, you know, you, you skip the middleman. So my suggestion to you is don't even skip. Don't even, I don't even buy from other wholesalers. In all the years that I've been doing this, I've bought one deal from another wholesaler. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, Cause I, I got my own pipeline of deals that come through and I cherry pick the best ones and keep them in my portfolio. Yeah. You're hands on. I like that. Is there yes. like a ratio that you like to keep for yourself or it really just depends on the deal? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, price, you know, I, I like, I like location. It, it really depends on location, the premium pieces of real estate that are in good locations that I capture a lot of equity on. I'll typically keep, you know, indestructible real estate, meaning areas that are always going to be desirable. Yeah. You know, I keep those in my portfolio. So, um, so currently the area that I invest in, uh, in Ohio, it's more of like a buyer's market and there's, just from what I've seen, um, there, there's so many, so much opportunity over there that I was actually, I'm considering starting to just do some wholesales. Um, I agree. I've got three students in Ohio killing it. You're absolutely right. Ohio is a, a hot market to wholesale in. Okay. But now that, that difference when it comes to the long distance, um, I feel like it's a task at itself just by, you know, being my own property manager and looking for new, uh, projects that need tremendous amount of work for the rehab. Um, you know, what, what would you recommend for that long distance? 
really good boots on the ground. Like you need to, yeah. you need to have a partner who's really good, who you really trust. Yeah. You got to really trust them because he can screw you. Um, have somebody that really knows the market over there, partner up with them and trade value, right? If, if he's got uh, the talent and skill that really close people and you got the cash for the marketing, you trade marketing money, you know, for his value and, and skill of closing deals. And y'all just trade right like that. Right. Okay. Um, that, that's how I would structure that. If I were you, you put up the marketing dollars and he does all the work. Yeah. Okay. I like that. So, um, okay. Let's talk about some learning curves. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure, I'm sure over the years of, you know, getting to where you're at today that, uh, even with the mentorships and, and, uh, you know, learning from other people's mistakes, I'm sure you, you've come across of a couple yourself along with some wins as well. I do want to talk about some, some killer, uh, success stories, but if you wouldn't mind, I feel like a lot of people out there, especially in our society, for some reason, everybody's so scared to fail. And, and as entrepreneurs, I think we all kind of acknowledge and realize that I'd rather fail sooner than later and really just get that experience and learn from it. Because if I fail now, then I know next time I'm going to do better and I'm going to, you know, everybody sees all the success stories, but they don't actually understand all the failures, you're always going to fail way more than you actually succeed. That's right. But you only need to succeed one or two times really big. And that's, that's right. It. Yeah. That, that's a great question. Man. I'm glad you bring that up, you know, because the story I just told you before about me failing because I bought so many high-end rentals when the market crashes, it's not always good. Yeah. You know, that's why I brought that up. I'm, I'm going to sit here and sell you a bill of goods and say, oh, I do everything perfect and life is grandiose and I'm perfect and I make all the best moves. Dude, I bought some stupid, stupid houses that I should have never bought. But, you know, you, you, like for you young guys that are out there, you got to be bold and you got to be courageous. You got to have courage to get into the real estate game. Courage, because it's, I mean, you're, you're putting your ass on the line, especially if you're starting to, you know, you know borrow money and like, you, don't, you don't feel comfortable. But the way to get over that anxiety of not wanting to, or wanting to jump in, but you have so much built up anxiety because you don't know if it's a good deal or not, is building up knowledge. Yeah. The more knowledge you have, the more certainty you have. Yeah. And when you're certain, you'll bring so much confidence and then the confidence what goes a long way. Yes. So when you have certainty, you lose a lot of that anxiety of yeah. not knowing what you do. You got to know, like you can't not know, you got to know the market. You got to know, you know, you got, that's what's knowing this is knowledge. So yeah. build, build up knowledge, hire mentors, read a lot of books, That's right. you know, deep dive, you know, and, and there's, like I said before, there's a difference between information and knowledge. That's right. Make sure you're getting knowledge, not information. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you know, my learning, ex- you know, what, what I can tell you guys is that, you know, two things be, you know, be bold and, and be courageous, have courage. And the learning curve would be to stop being scared to invest in yourself. Stop being scared to hire a mentor. You, dude, I've spent a quarter million dollars on mentors in the past 10 years. That's right. But I've paid, it's paid off itself 10, 20 times, you know, Oops. you've got to invest in yourself. And the fact that, you know, you, you're going to fail. Like I failed, like I, I, I messed up. I bought all those high end rentals and I failed, but I'm, I learned so much from that. I learned what the sweet spot is. Right. You know, I thought I was cool. I was like, yeah, because there was no competition in those higher end markets, higher end houses. And I was getting all these great deals. However, when the economy crashed, you know, it's just, nobody could afford those rentals. Now I know, you know, I just, you got to buy affordable housing, not unaffordable housing. You got to be in the sweet spot. Yeah. Find your sweet spot. Yeah. You can't get caught with the, when the music turns off, you know, you somewhere, uh, out of your range of of that fine balance. Yes. You know, it, 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 if, if I had to look back, I would have never bought all those high end cause I, you know, I bought $5 million worth of houses and, there were cash flowing, you know, marginal returns when I could have bought, I could have taken that $5 million and bought more affordable houses and tripled my inventory and yep. tripled my cash flow. And it was stayed rented because it's in that sweet spot. Okay. So when it comes down to cash flow, um, what do you, what is your, what do you look for? Like, is there certain deals that you won't, you won't actually pick up unless it hits a, a certain amount of cash flow per month? Well, I mean, it depends if you're paying cash or if you're, or if you're leveraging, um, 
I don't pay cash for a whole lot of deals. I, I do pay cash for a lot of deals just to get the deal and offer cash, but I turn around and refinance. Like I'm buying a trailer park right now next week. I'm paying cash for it, 405000 but I'm refinancing to get my money back. But they, the way I was able to get them all the way down to 400000 because this property's probably worth six hundred grand. is I offered all cash, close quick. That's right. So, okay. um, you know, the strategies of cash flow, I would say, is, you know, you just got to look at it from a perspective of, Let's just look at it from if you because most of the people on here are probably going to borrow money to buy their first rental property. Yep. So so let's look at let's keep the numbers round, which I know this th- these numbers may is all relative depending on your market. If you're going to buy a hundred thousand dollar house, it's worth a hundred thousand. Just because you buy a piece of real estate does not make you a real estate investor. Meaning, if the house is worth a hundred thousand and you paid ninety, <laughs> guess what? Yeah. You're not a real estate investor. You're what's called a full retail buyer. That's right. Yeah. You got to buy with value and equity. That's Do right. not pay full price for anything. You, in a hundred thousand dollar house, you should be paying no more than sixty thousand for it. Yeah. Now, with that said, you want to be in, in in that sweet spot of you know. You, you, this is what how I look at it. You look for jobs. Like I'm going heavy right now in Baton Rouge because there's so much infrastructure. So there's factories. There's oil refineries. There's jobs galore. Okay. The rental market is indestructible. So. I'm going heavy with rentals over there because there's always going to be jobs and I'm going to, so first of all, the first and final, the first thing I would say is make sure you invest in areas where the job market is super stable and no matter what the economy does, there's always going to be jobs. So that way you have tenants and renters to be able to pay you rent. Secondly, buy with that value added equity. Don't pay full price for anything. Pay, you need to pay half of what it's worth or maybe a little bit more, 60 cents on the dollar, 65 cents on the dollar. Yeah. Buy, buy in areas with, you know, around schools, decent school districts, you know, um, buy, I like brick on slab houses. I don't like little wood frame houses. Yeah. Now, although, although I do still buy some wood frame houses if I get a smoking hot deal on it, but you know, brick on slab houses are just indestructible. Yeah. You know, um, what else can I tell you as far as cash flow? You know, if I'm going to buy a house that's worth a hundred thousand, I pay 60,000 for it. You know, I needed to get at least a thousand bucks a month so I can cash flow about 400 bucks a month on it. Of course. So the, the properties you have now, um, do you, do you have like a strategy for them? How many did you say? Right now we probably own, well, once we close in the trailer park, we're going to own about 65 properties, but I have, a, I have a bunch of other, I don't just own family family homes. I own two beach houses. I have a beach house in orange beach on the, yeah. on the. I have a beach house in Destin, Florida. Okay. So I'm not just in single family homes and I'm not just in beach house. I mean, we have trailers and then we're buying this trailer park, but after we close in this trailer park, we'll have, I think around 65 units. Okay. Now, is there, I mean, it sounds like you're, you're kind of, you'll get anything if it's a right deal, right? In real estate, am I correct? Yep. Or is there something yep. that you won't actually go for like condos or you, you have one? Well, I, I don't like condos in a sense that, I bought this condo on the beach, you know, three years ago because it was such a good deal and it cash flowed from the get go. And I, and you know, I, I paid two thirty for it three years ago, and now it's worth three fifty. Okay, you know, because I, I recognize that the market was still a little down. Right, remember, you you don't buy when things are booming; you buy when things are a little bit down. Right. And let and, and I'm not saying you can't buy deals when things are booming because there's still deals out there. But just make, be very careful when you're in a boom market; it's not always going to be booming. But yeah. but I would say you know. I don't necessarily have one particular thing that I only buy. I, I look for opportunities and I look for value and equity. Where can I, where can I capture the most equity and value? Okay. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, no, of course. Like, like this trailer park, you know, I did, I ran the numbers. We did an income approach. It, it's going to appraise around six fifty seven hundred thousand, 700,000. And I'm able to pick it up for 405,000. You know, because it's a burnout landlord. That, well, I said the landlord died and, and the family inherited it and all the rents are really low. Cause yeah. I, let me tell you, let me just analyze this deal for you. This is why I bought it. Please, the, yeah. So it's a 24 unit of trailer, uh, mobile home park. Okay. Seven, it's got 17 trailers on it. So it's got seven more empty spots where I can haul in new trailers. Yeah. Now this guy that had it, had it for like 30 years and he died. Well, most of the trailers are way below market rent, meaning the average rent in that area is around six fifty to seven fifty per trailer or per unit. His average rent in there is four fifty. Yeah. Because why? That's so often. People just, you know, they, they step away. Because he's old. 
Yeah, they get comfortable and they're just yeah. like, you know, it's on autopilot. I won't look at the market. I won't look at the rents going up around. And then you wonder why <laughs> nobody's ever leaving, which is good. I mean, you're not, yeah. uh, but at the same time, you're messing out on a lot of capital. Well, I noticed that in, it's a common thread. The baby boomer generation, yeah. you know, the biggest demographic in history, they own a lot of real estate. They're all retiring. I get so many deals with baby boomers, but they're, they're stuck in their ways, meaning, you know, they, he's been having that trailer park for 30 years and they got people that have been in there for 15, 20 years. So he's stuck at the current rent that was 20 years ago and never went up with inflation. So I see that. I see yeah. that, that value of where I can up the rent. Yep. And, he's got, and he's got 17 of those and the average rent is 450 when the average rent should be 650. So I know right off the bat, I can slowly increase the rent or as I evict them, I can get new tenants in there that are pay market value rent. I can haul in seven more trailers and get, you know, 750. So I did the math on it. Once it's all said and done, um, I think it was right, right at 16. It's it's getting seven, seven $7,250 right now in income. I can double that income. I can get it up to, I'm sorry. It was 16. If I, if I get every one of them up to an average of 750, which probably I can probably get them up at least to 650. I can get a minimum of 14 grand. So I've almost doubled the cash flow. So if I double the cash flow in the next year, I could turn around and flip that. If it's getting fourteen thousand, I could turn around and flip it and probably get a million bucks of that trailer park. Hell yeah! yeah. From an investor. Yeah. So I see how you see how I see opportunity. Yeah, it's you all see. about recognizing the opportunity. Right yes, and, and, a, and being aware of your market, current rent in your area. You know the opportunity of, of seeing that there's there's room for growth. Yes. Yeah, man, I, I love that strategy. You know, I see. I see some people taking advantage of it. And then a lot of the newbies out there, they don't understand that concept yet. So I'm glad, I'm really, really glad that you, you touch base on that. So when they get scared, yeah, they get scared of it. Yeah. And they just, they settle for what, what, uh, what the seller is used to or what they're taking. So, right. But, uh, yeah, recognizing that opportunity is so, so important. I feel like that's like the, the topic of this, this podcast right now. I mean, it's, Super, super important. Um, so with your strategy, do you, do you like to tend to leverage as much as possible or, or keep that, that fine line of uh, equity within the property as well? Well, it depends on the times. The times right now, interest rates, interest rates are at historical lows. You need to leverage the shit out of money right now. Yep. Yeah. Back in the 70s and 80s, well, I was born in the 80s. You know, interest rates were like 12 and a half, 14%. Okay. It's ridiculous. What is, you can get, you can borrow money right now at th- anywhere from three to 5%. Yeah. It's, re- you need to be, you need to be leveraging money. You need to be borrowing as much money as the bank will let you. And you know, like I said, I pay cash for properties, but just to, just to get the deal, just to offer cash to get, you know, a quick close. Here's a cash offer. I'll close your house in two weeks just to get them to agree to my low ball offer. But I turn around and I refinance and get all my cash back. Yeah. No, I, I do the same strategy. I, I do the birth strategy if you're familiar with that. So, mm-hmm. uh, so you buy a distressed property, um, you do a full rehab on the property, you rent it out and then, uh, you refinance, you get all your money back and, and then you repeat the process. So, um, yep. yeah, man, I, I love that. I, I was, I was talking to some people recently and they're, they're super against leveraging. It's almost like, uh, what is his name? Uh, Oh, I forget the guy's name. Uh, the guru that uh, with financing that says never to live. oh yes yes you're talking about um uh, oh man he stay out of Dave Ramsey stay out of debt that's so dumb that's middle that's middle class mindset yeah you 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 will never get rich doing that never of course yeah yeah so it's so frustrating I'm like I, I just don't understand that concept because I see so many people along with myself I mean I'm not I'm not in in your position or like in uh in something that you know where i'd like to be i got plenty of potential um but but at the same time the success that i do have at this current moment is from leveraging and and i've taken advantage of uh like zero percent apr with my credit cards for 18 and you know and and to actually purchase properties as well so yeah so yeah look leverage can be dangerous as long as Leverage can be dangerous if you don't buy right. That's right. Yeah. If, if you buy it right, if you buy it for half of what it's worth or 60 cents a dollar, 
how can you lose? Yeah. Let's just say, let's just say you have a 20% market correction. Yeah. The economy crashes. All values come down 20%. I don't really give a shit yeah. because I'm what it's worth. So my property that was worth a hundred thousand is worth 80. Well, guess what? I paid 50 grand for it. That's right. I don't care. I don't really don't care. Now you, you gotta be careful. You, you know, if you put 80,000 and you have a 20% correction, now you're at parity worth you're into it for what it's worth, but it's all about buying it right. And, and not overpaying as an investor. Of course. Something that I personally, as, as well, that I like to gear towards, because um, I'm in the buy and hold uh, strategy, and, and and I really like the, the area that my properties are in to make sure that there is going to be like a, a supply. Like there, there, there needs to be housing because um, my particular area has a Catholic university there. So there's always mm-hmm. been students that need students. Yep. And, and I also like to, I do have some single families, but I like to stay in the, um, in the four, four units or under just so, um, just so if you do have one tenant that isn't there vacant, then, uh, the other ones will, will still keep your mortgage and, yeah. uh, you know, offset any costs to, to keep you still cash. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I like, I like that strategy. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I, and, and I like single family homes too, for the, you know, for the purpose that they're really diversified because I have so many exit strategies because if I, if I buy a single family home, if it doesn't rent, I can retail it out. Yeah. You understand it, there's, you know, people get caught up in multifamily, you know, multifamily, like, like, you know, like Grant Cardone, right. You know, grants, big, big time multifamily is good for people that have a lot of money. You know, I don't have a hundred million dollars in my checking account, you know, and most people don't, but if you have tons of cash and putting them in a, you know, a hundred unit apartment complex is the safest place to hedge inflation. Yeah. However, if you're, you know, if you're just getting started, you need to start with single family homes, find that sweet spot where you can buy a house for half of what it's worth in a good area that'll rent well and stay in that middle zone. Now, and if it doesn't work out, you, if you paid, if it was worth a hundred and you paid 60 for it, and if it doesn't work out, you can retail it out for cheaper than, than if you paid 50 grand for it, you can just sell it for 80 and you can make it a smoking high deal for a full retail buyer. It's called a wholesale, right? Yeah. Not a wholesale, not a full retail, but a wholesale. Okay. You're wholesaling it to a full retail buyer. You can't lose if you buy it right. No, I, I like that. That's a, that's, that's good. <laughs> You know, when it comes down to, uh, I'm glad you brought up uh, Grant Cardone as well. You know, I, I do want to eventually get into bigger multifamily units. You know, one of my goals eventually is to get into a hundred unit complex. And, uh, and I, I know and, until I get, you know, for that first one, I'm definitely going to have to get like a syndication going together and yeah. bring some money partners together. Do you see yourself, you know, what, what does the future kind of hold for you? Uh, you know, if I have tons of cash, yeah. you know, I, I'm probably going to stick to mobile home parks. I'll tell you why. Okay. Ca- the cash on a mobile home park is ridiculous. It yeah. cash you can get 30% annual return on a on a trailer park. You can't get a 30% annual return on an apartment complex. Yeah. However, from a from a holding value standpoint, the trailer parks don't hold up. An apartment brick, you know, a brick on slab apartment complex will last forever. Yeah. How, however, since I have my own wholesaling business, guess what? Every day, all day, I got people calling my office trying to sell me their mobile homes for not a half of what they're worth, not even a third of what they're worth, 10 to 20% of what they're worth. I can pick up a trailer. I can pick up a trailer that's 10 years old for two grand. Yeah. And, and, and then spend 1500 bucks and haul it over there to my trailer park and another thousand bucks set it up. I'm into the whole thing for five, six grand and I can put somebody in there for seven fifty a month. Yeah. You can't do that with a, with a, with an apartment complex. Yeah. Okay. Now the tenants are a little bit rougher. It is <laughs> rougher. It's a trade off, higher return, more headache, yeah. but it's all about property management. Just getting the right people in there. Make sure you get a family in there. Keep the trash out. Keep people that are on drugs out of there and really managing it. Right. But from a cash flow perspective, you can't be mobile home parks. Yeah. No, it's not, it's so good because there is always going to be a trade-off and you got to, yep. you got to realize that, that yep. when it comes to a sweet deal and you're getting that crazy equity or, you know, crazy cash flow each month, it's going to be a trade-off. So, um, 
Well, if I, you know, granted, if I get twenty, thirty million dollars in my checking account and I got cash just sitting there not doing nothing, and I get a decent deal where I can get a twelve percent cap on a on a, a because it's the real estate itself will outlive a mobile home park because of the fact that it's a brick on slab. It you know it, most of these trailer park, I mean most of these multifamily will last through the ages. I mean, anything that's a brick on slab is not going to just deteriorate. Yeah. You got to change a roof. You got to change out stuff of that nature. But from that standpoint, yes, it's a better investment, but from a cash flow standpoint, you can't be mobile home parks. Okay. So when it comes down to property management, uh, what do you do for that? So we have a girl in my office that helps me. We just, you just got to really vet the tenant, like really vet them. Like all about the screening. I messed up so bad. Let me tell you some of it. You know, I, when I first got into in, investing, I was like, oh, anybody that has the money, the down payment, just let them in. Do yeah. not do that. <laughs> okay. So I messed up big time. Make sure you actually, you, you got to vet them like a bank would vet me or you yeah. before they would let us borrow money. You have to do what's called an underwriting. Yeah. What, where's your job at? Where's your place of employment? I want to see check stubs of how much money you make. Yeah. What are your expenses? Prove to me that your wife works. Okay. Your wife has a job making $1,500 a month. You have a job making $2,000 a month. Your total income is 3,500. Okay. What's your car note and insurance? Okay. The car note and insurance is 400. Your grocery bill is about what? 500 bucks a month. Your utility is going to be 250. Your whatever it may be, extra curricular activities, another 500 bucks. Yeah. Okay. What's, what's left in there now? After they can pay me my, you know, seven fifty a month, they still need to have at least twenty percent of disposable income. If they don't, they're living check to check, and eventually you're going to have to evict them. That's right. I'm glad you brought that up because it really it comes down to, you know, a fine fine screening to really take away your headaches in the future. Because if yes. you don't do that screening, then you are you are geared towards. And I'm more of a risk taker, so even, me too. Me too. Even on paper, when I'm like, you know what, this guy, I, I got some faith about this one, which isn't the smartest move all the time. But, um, but I'm starting to get more in that rhythm of, you know, the banks are drilling me. So I'm going to I'm gonna act just like the bank and I'm going to drill you because this is my investment property. You know, you're not going to care about my property. I care about my property. Right. So I've had people recently, um, you know, when I ask them about bank statements, that they, they get all defensive, like, what, why would you need that? And they don't understand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you must have never applied for anything <laughs> because it, it really comes down to seeing, seeing people's spending habits, seeing how well they are with their own cash, and, and see, you know, when they're going to have headaches in the future because their spending habits. Um, yeah, I like that. Cool. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, Cool. I think we're, we're coming up on, uh, we'll have to get out of here in a couple of minutes, but, um, I mean, is there anything that, you know, like, where do you, where do you see your future going? Just, just into the mobile home parks and, and getting bigger into that. Mobile home parks. Um, I want to invest in Florida and Texas as far as rentals. I think those two States are going to be really hot. More people moving to Texas and Florida than any other two States uh, across the country. Well, Colorado too, but we know why everybody's moving to Colorado. Yeah. Um, California just legalized too. And they're, everybody's yeah. always been out here, but, uh, yeah. Well, it's too, it's too, yeah, but it's too, way too expensive to live out in California. It's, it's hard to make a, a property cash flow in California. Texas and Florida is still affordable. All the baby boomers are retiring from across the country and moving to Florida. Yep. Um, I think, um, retired living facilities are going to be huge in the next 10 years. Okay. Because all the because of all these um, these baby boomers, I'm looking maybe looking and doing something like that. But Texas, Florida, I'm gonna probably really in the next I would say in the next couple of years, I'm gonna really go hard after. I'm gonna build a huge portfolio in Baton Rouge, and then after that, I'm I'm looking to to scale out in, in Houston and probably the the Panhandle area of Florida. Okay. Now, with your goal to build up a huge portfolio uh, in your local area, uh, are you doing the Grant Cardone approach and just want to? Um, sell that whole portfolio eventually to Wall Street? Well, my goal is to become the single biggest. Sorry. No worries. Sorry. My, go- my goal is to have the, the single biggest privately owned single family home portfolio in, in the South. Okay. Um, 
And, and I can do it because I have a wholesaling business because I can get all the deals I need. That's the key ingredient. You need to start a wholesaling business. Yeah. Hell yeah. That'll funnel you all the deals you need. Hell yeah. I love that. So you do have a, a coaching program, correct? Correct. Yeah. Do you mind um, just giving a little bit more information about that? Yeah. So, you know, I teach how to, you know, become a professional wholesaling. I'm going to give you basically a master's degree on how to become a professional wholesaler. You can go to chrisrude.com and uh, book a call with my team and see if we can help you. It it does require certain skill sets. It does require money. You got to spend money on marketing to generate leads. Um, And you just got to be willing to work your ass off. But I mean, this is one of the funnest businesses to get into. I mean, I don't know of a better, more scalable business for the least amount of capital right now. I mean, this, this is a, now, like I said, you've got to have certain skills. You've yeah. got to better communicate with people and you've got to be good at sales. So you do vent, vent people out. I mean, it's not for yeah. everyone, right? Like you not have to everyone. qualify to actually be Correct. able to, you know, uh, get your services, right? Okay. Yep. You, you got to be at least spend a thousand bucks a month in marketing. You got to be a people person. Yep. Have, you know, better talk to people. And if you're not a people person, be willing at least to learn how to talk to people. We have all the scripts we teach you. you know, I don't just teach you how to become a wholesaler. You know, a lot of my courses is geared toward personal development, communication skills. So um, for that, yeah, it is. like, you know, that, that ground up. Uh, yeah, I love that. That's good. I'm glad that you added that towards. Yeah. Work. It's it, and um, you know, it's just in, in the future, we're going to be adding more programs on buy and hold more programs on fix and flip. Um, but like the end goal guys is you start a wholesaling business to get the best deals to flip. And, and the cash you make from your wholesaling business, your flipping business, you need to be dumping right into buying holes. You can't wholesale and flip for the rest of your life. It's a grind. Yeah. The key is to build long-term wealth through buy and hold. That's the end goal. Right. Wholesaling is wholesaling is a means to an end. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Cool. So Chris, what do you do when you're not, you know, full into real estate? Working on myself, my brother, mentally, spiritually, physically. Like I'm, I'm all, like, I'm a, I'm a geek for personal development, like my, awesome. my mind, body, spirit, man. You gotta get, if your body ain't right, your mind ain't gonna be right. If your mind ain't right, your spirit ain't gonna be right. It's all yeah. a triangle, man. You gotta, you gotta get right everywhere. You yeah. gotta, if you, you know, if, if you're geared toward business, but you're 200 pounds overweight, I guarantee you, you know, you being overweight, like that's going to hinder you from being the best version of yourself. If you're, um, you know, in great shape, but you're totally out of, out ethics, meaning you have no integrity and you're totally, you know, just not doing the right thing where you're, you're going to be morally bankrupt and not get far in life. Like it, it's really, you've got to align yourself with all those three things. Take care of your body, yeah. take care of your mind, feed your mind every day, read, read, read. Yeah mindset books always sharpening that skill and working yourself spiritually i mean whatever religion you are you know i don't care like tithing give back to your community give back to your church you know give back like uh, every time i give dude i get i get it back tenfold like i mean every time it's so true yeah so just personal development man that's what it's about personal development be the want to be the best version of yourself yeah i love that that's awesome brother Yeah. So, um, yeah, I know before we actually started recording, you're encouraging me to, to get my workout on because you just got done the gym. So yeah, I appreciate yeah, that. It's good. It's good feedback. Yeah. Um, I, and I know as well, you, you have a pretty good sized family, right? That's right, man. I got five kids. Okay. Cool. <laughs> my wife really loves me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. cool. Well, Chris, you are the man, brother. I appreciate you. Is there any other way, um, besides, uh, the, the the link that you gave for uh, yeah for reaching out to you absolutely Find me on uh, YouTube I give away a lot of free content go subscribe I give tons of free content on real estate wholesaling and all kind of other you know branches of wholesaling I mean other branches of real investing um, it's Chris Rude is a is the channel um, follow me on Instagram at real estate rude follow me on Snapchat at real estate rude and uh go give me a, a like on my fan page at chris root entrepreneur and just follow me on grant cardone's network i'm a, you know i'm affiliated with grant cardone I, i'm a, i'm the 10x growth con sponsor for this year's uh growth con in, in, in Vegas. Uh, i sponsored the whole event um so man just follow me i want to help you i want to help you help yourself cool yeah love that chris you are the man i appreciate you brother more than you'll ever know trust me uh it it really it it means a lot that you're giving up your time to actually 
you know, give back to others and uh, really cut their learning curve in half. So I, I appreciate you coming out here and, and giving up your time for that. Um, yeah, guys, it, my name is Brandon Elliott. Once again, if you want to reach me, uh, check out the website, brandonelliottinvestments.com. You can also email me, brandonelliottinvestments at gmail.com. Um, till next time, thank you guys all for joining. Please leave a comment, like, uh, review, just share this with any, anybody else, um, that is interested in real estate investing. So this can help them. Appreciate you guys all till next time. Chris, once again, thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. All right, guys. See you next time. Thank you. God bless. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliottinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.